0: Zan Shine, Liberty Loving Patriots, welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K R I S A N N E H A L L dot com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Thank you for joining me today. As we told you uh, earlier this week, JC and I are on the road teaching the Constitution in the sunny state of California. We had a great meeting last night where I taught a brand new class uh, here in California about securing the rights of the people, the duty of the state. It was amazing. The people left so inspired and empowered. We actually, I think that we made a, a huge difference in people's lives last night, educating them. You know, what we did was I went through the California constitution And I showed them how it's the duty of the California elected representatives, no matter where they are, governor, legislator, sheriff, to defend the Constitution of the state of California and not to destroy it. And we went through and we showed how these stay at home orders are violating not the federal constitution, the state constitutions on the state level on so many levels. And the people were just amazed. We don't spend enough time talking about our state constitutions. We spend way too much time talking about the federal constitution and what can Donald Trump do for us? And what can attorney Barr do for us? No, this is not the solution to our problems. The solution to our problems is not more federal power. The solution to our problems is not more federal intrusion or control on our state governments. The solution to our problems is more control of the people. Any solution that you are offered that involves the federal government taking control or the federal government creating solutions is not a long-term liberty solution. That is a solution that moves in the wrong direction. That is a solution that expands federal power and it actually creates lazy Americans who all we do is sit around and wait for somebody else to protect our rights. And so this new class that I taught for the first time last night here in California, uh, Securing the Rights of the People, The Duty of the State, is so, so amazingly empowering because it puts the proper perspective on the proper solution of when government gets out of control. It's always, always with the people. So because JC and I are on the road today, uh, we are not able to do a live uh, show for you. I'm just giving you an introduction. And what we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be giving you a webinar today that I filmed for a health seminar. So this is a webinar that talks about the how. Sorry, talks about how um, mandatory vaccinations violate our religious liberty and our parental rights. And so I hope that you enjoy this webinar, a teaching class today. Because remember, we are a teach show. And not a talk show, but this class I believe will be an enormous help to people as this situation progresses. Unless we can get control of our governments and get them all back online, it's time for us to be clear that the solutions have to come from the people, not from higher parts of government. And mandatory vaccinations by any form of government, state, local, or federal, violate certain fundamental rights so thank you for joining us today i hope you enjoy this webinar i hope you learn from this webinar and jc and i will be back to uh, greet you again next week hi everybody i'm chris ann hall i'm a constitutional attorney and i'm so grateful to be a part of this year's health freedom summit I am a unique constitutional attorney because I travel around the country and I teach the constitution as it's supposed to be applied, not necessarily as the professors, the pundits and the judges want it to be implied. And So a lot of what I do depends upon what those who wrote the constitution intended for that constitution to mean, how it is supposed to be applied. And so I want you to realize that that is the direction that I'm going to be coming to you from in teaching our class today so how about we get right to it i have a powerpoint presentation for us as you can see the first slide you can find my contact information i have an online training course on the constitution american history and the fundamental principles of liberty that do make america the greatest place on earth (laughs) at libertyfirstuniversity.com My main website is chrisannhall.com, which is just my name, chrisannhall.com, and my husband and I do a daily radio show slash podcast at chrisannhall.com, but it's also on YouTube. It's on Spotify, Facebook, Twitter, and so you can find all of this on our website at chrisannhall.com. So let's get started. My topic today is going to be mandatory vaccinations and the rights of the people. Because we have a a new trend of mandatory necessities coming through America, I think it's important for us to deal with this issue from a fundamental liberty perspective. We're going to deal specifically with religious liberty and parental rights. There are many constitutionally related aspects to mandatory vaccinations that we could get into, but in the limited time today, I narrowed it down specifically to religious liberty and parental rights. Now, true to the way I teach at libertyfirstuniversity.com and our daily radio show, where we bring to you current events from a constitutional and principled perspective. So when we start our lesson today, we're going to start with the founders themselves. We're going to start with John Adams. He said, "In he wrote in 1765, Liberty must at all hazards be supported. We have a right to it derived from our maker. But if we have not, our fathers have earned and bought it for us at the expense of their ease, their estates, their pleasure, and their blood. What we have to understand is that the cornerstone of our American Constitutional Republic is the fundamental principle of liberty, where it comes from, who it belongs to, and the fact that it is, it is a God-given right and not a document-bestowed right. Our, our rights do not come from government. They do not come from documents. As a matter of fact, I have a little pet peeve, we don't have constitutional rights. If you say we have a constitutional right, that that implies that our rights are derived from the Constitution. And then what you get are, are lawyers, politicians, and pundits who think that they can reinvent the meanings of the terms and then regulate or even remove your rights. But as we have to come to know, and we must come to really, really understand, is that these rights are ours. They're ours by the nature of our creation if you don't believe in God as our creator, then you must accept that rights do not come from documents. They don't come from law because if you believe that rights come from documents and they come from law, then they're not rights at all. They're more privileges. And then you must believe and you must accept if you believe that rights come from law and rights come from documents and rights come from people who write laws. You must accept it when those people decide that your rights are overcome by the needs of others. And that is the very principle upon which slavery was built for centuries. Our founders wanting to set aside those inequity in rights built America on the firm foundation that rights are natural rights. That belong to every human being by the nature of their creation i want to introduce you to a document written by james madison james madison is the fourth president of the united states under this constitution he is also referred to in history as being the father of the constitution now when discussing property and the definition of property with those In the House of Representatives in 1792, James Madison realized that there may be a disconnect with people on what the term property actually means. So James Madison wrote a document titled, aptly, Property. And in that, he gives us a detailed description of what property actually is. And that's important to our discussion about mandatory vaccinations and the rights of the people. Because how we view the definition of property affects how we see the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the proper role of government. Now what's interesting is that James Madison explains to us in this document called Property that the most sacred of property is our conscience. He says conscience is the most sacred of all property. Other property depending in part upon positive law The exercise of that being a natural and unalienable right, I want you to pause there for a second and realize our conscience, this form of property that James Madison is speaking of, is considered a natural and unalienable right, which means someone else can't take it away from you. Now, unalienable means that you can do things in your own life to separate yourself from your rights, but it means specifically that it is yours to hold and others cannot take it from you. He says, to guard a man's house as his castle, to pay public and enforce private debts with the most exact faith, can give no title to invade a man's conscience, which is more sacred than his castle. So what Madison is talking about there is the role of government just because we've authorized government to guard our land to secure our physical properties because we've authorized government to uh, enforce private debts and to pay public debts you know that what 200 trillion dollar national debt that we keep that keeps growing every year he says just because we've delegated those authorities to the government does not authorize them, does not give them title, okay? Does not give them the authority to invade, to control, to infringe upon our conscience. He says our conscience is more sacred than our castle. And why this is important is so we must understand that that conscience is an essential element of parental rights and religious liberty. And the father of our Constitution, the fourth president of the United States, is explaining to us that just because we've delegated certain physical rights to our physical authorities, to our governments, that it does not bestow upon them any authority to dictate or infringe upon that sacred property of conscience. Now, what we have happening in America today is a new plea of necessity, sweeping the nation, especially with this new COVID virus. You have people arguing that your rights end where mine begin, trying to say that that you have to stay in your home because you might make me sick or I have to have the authority to impose government's force on you. That if you open up your business, you go to jail, that if you leave your home without a mask, you go to jail. Some places, even if you leave your home, you go to jail. And if you refuse a vaccination, you go to jail. Somehow implying that your right over your conscience, that your right over your body, a right that is derived from the very first law of nature, the, the duty of self preservation, is somehow overcome by the desires and the fears of others. That is antithetical to every principle of liberty that America was built on. Yes, liberty has the definition that you cannot harm or control the right of another. But you don't have a right to make me stay home any more than I have a right to make you leave home. It is the understanding of the boundaries of these individual rights. These are individual rights. The government can't, you can't make me stay at my home, you can't make me leave my home, and you cannot lawfully or constitutionally use the force of government to do that either. Liberty is built on the principles of self-governance. We are supposed to be, as a moral And as a compassionate society, take the steps necessary to consider and preserve the lives of others. But not to the sacrifice of our own by the force of government. That is tyrannical. That is despotic. And that is the very kind of government that our founders fled from. This plea of necessity is not foreign in the realm of government or in society. William Pitt, giving an address to Parliament in 1783, said, Necessity is the plea for every infringement of human freedom. It is the argument of tyrants and it is the creed of slaves. Who are we that we have to say it's necessary for you? At the penalty of force to give me a comfort I desire. Well, we're not going to get into a lot of the unreliability of vaccinations and that sort of thing. Uh, What I want to get into is how these particular mandatory vaccinations infringe upon conscience, freedom of religion, and the right to parental In parental rights. Now, I I feel a little bit fortunate because I am not just simply. A constitutional attorney but I am also a biochemist by trade so I happen to know a little bit more than your average constitutional attorney about how viruses work and vaccinations work so I'll try not to be completely you know overwhelming with the with the data we're gonna keep this very basic and and just about the fundamental rights themselves religious liberty is the form of conscience Our First Amendment says Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free uh, exercise, I'm sorry, Congress shall make no law establishing religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. When you look at your state constitutions, which at the state level of uh, mandating a vaccination will be more relevant to you. So you have to look at your state constitutions. I don't have all of them, nor do I have the time to show you all of them today. But if you look at your state constitutions, you have to notice that in your state constitution exists some form of Bill of Rights, and every single state constitution contains a Bill of Rights that nearly that completely or nearly completely mirrors the Bill of Rights in our U.S. Constitution. First, because our Bill of Rights from the U.S. Constitution was taken from the original states, and then every state that came after mirrored state constitutions in that way. So every state constitution protects religious liberty and religious conscience. So you can't really argue that the First Amendment says only Congress because your state constitution will establish that the state cannot establish a a religion or mandate the dictates of your conscience Either, And many states have, most recently in the last 10 years or so, created religious freedom acts that further expand the uh, parameters of our religious liberty, further limiting government in their ability to infringe or impose uh, outside beliefs on the people in the matter of religious liberty. Many religious faiths hold murder as a violation of their beliefs, and many believe that abortion falls into that category of murder. Shockingly enough, there are many vaccinations out there that are derived from aborted human babies. And chickenpox, hepatitis A and rubella, being three of those vaccinations, the pharmaceutical companies offer no alternative. So chicken pox, rubella, and hepatitis A, if you have to take those vaccinations, you are actually taking vaccinations that are derived from the aborted baby tissue. I wanna give you a little bit of history about that. Uh, the rubella vaccination is actually known as RA273. And as you see on the slide that I have here, The rubella vaccination was developed during the rubella epidemic in 1964, and its name is based on the fact that it is derived from aborted fetal tissue. So R stands for rubella, A stands for abortus, 27 stands for the 27th fetus tested, and three stands for the third tissue implant. Now let me give you a little bit more of that history for you. In layman's terms, there were 26 abortions prior to identifying the right formula for the vaccination. That's 26 aborted babies. Aborted babies, these 26 aborted babies were sent to two scientists at the y Institute by the name, names of Plotkin and Hayflick. Now, uh, Plotkin and Hayflick dissected the kidneys and the lungs of these aborted babies. Now, in order to dissect the kidneys of the aborted baby, the baby has to be over 12 weeks old, usually a minimum of 14 weeks. So what I have here on the slide is a picture of a baby uh, in the womb, 14 weeks old, just so you get an idea of what we're dealing with. So they would dissect the kidneys and the lungs of these aborted babies, And then Plotkin and Hayflick developed the virus strain identified as WI-38 or Y-Star Institute 38. The further development of this vaccination was was created in the 1970s uh, from a male baby at the age of 14 weeks. This is a picture of a baby at 14 weeks. Now, it's not just rubella. See, these, these cells... Uh, are create the the cells from these aborted babies have also been used to create commonly used vaccinations hepatitis A chickenpox and there's a whole list of others you can go online and do this my my purpose is not to give you a an, a lecture on this particular topic but i need to set this background so you can see why people would have a fundamental religious and moral objection to mandatory, the mandatory vaccinations that contain these aborted fetal tissue. Not only does the chickenpox vaccination, the hepatitis vaccination contain aborted fetal tissue, the chicken pox vaccination actually contains monosodium glutamate. Now, monosodium glutamate is a chemical compound that the FDA has identified as being dangerous to infants, children, pregnant women or women of childbearing age and people with mental or emotional disorders. Now you can see why people would want to refuse from a moral conscience, a chickenpox vaccination. So chickenpox pox is not a disease historically, that has caused people to die. So the idea that mandatory vaccinations are necessary in spite of the fact that they contain aborted fetal tissue, in spite of the fact that the chickenpox vaccination contains a chemical the FDA already lists as a harmful chemical compound, should help us understand why mandatory vaccinations for these vaccinations are absolutely indefensible. Although the FDA claims a less than 10% chance of injury due to vaccination, the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, a federally funded program, pays out over $100 million every single year to victims and families of vaccine-related injuries. How often have you been told that vaccines don't kill people, that vaccines don't make people sick? Why is it that we have an entire federal program to compensate families and and children who have been injured by vaccinations if that just simply does not happen? In addition to the dangers of aborted baby tissue in vaccinations and the dangerous chemicals used to creating these vaccinations, some people have a sincerely held religious belief against injecting vaccinations into the body. They believe that the body is created by God as a temple and that we should not defile the body by injecting a virus into the body. Not only that, you have uh, other religious beliefs who do not believe in consuming animals or animal byproducts of the vaccinations that don't contain aborted baby tissue Many of them contain animal byproducts. Another firmly held religious belief are the vaccinations that are not life threatening but are there to prevent allegedly sexually transmitted diseases. Many people of faith believe that the prevention of sexually transmitted diseases ought to be. Through the teaching of abstinence and the teaching of the sanctity of marriage. And fear that this idea of giving your child a vaccination to eliminate uh, sexually transmitted diseases actually breeds a mentality of sexual promiscuity. And we're talking now just simply, we're starting to flow into now not just simply religious beliefs but parental rights as well. Many parents who do not have a religious affiliation believe that abstinence and the sanctity of marriage ought to be where sexual activity takes place. And then to introduce into the psyche of your child that you can have this shot and that means that you won't get any sexually transmitted diseases is something that goes contrary to the conscience of the parent. Now there are less intrusive ways to deal with these situations, and the courts are not unsympathetic about that. Uh, liberty Council, Matt Staver's law firm, a nonprofit law firm that helps defend families and churches in religious liberty First Amendment issues, brought up a case in New York City, two cases actually, where the school system attempted to mandate the hepatitis B vaccine, vaccination on the children of these two families. The families expressed their sincerely held religious beliefs against vaccinations, and the schools expelled the children of both families. Now, Liberty Council filed a lawsuit on behalf of both of the families, and the federal court held that the children had to be readmitted to the school, and the school could not force the parents to to vaccinate their children. In another case, Liberty Council filed suit against the state of Arkansas for mandating vaccinations and eliminating religious exemptions. Because of this case, the Arkansas legislature got back into session and passed laws restoring the religious exemptions for the people of Arkansas. We cannot allow our state and federal legislators to disregard fundamental principles of liberty. When that happens, all liberty is in danger. Let me talk to you a second specifically about parental rights. Now we've seen that, that the courts are not unsympathetic with, the, with religious exemptions, but what about just parental rights? Well, in a case, Troxell v. Granville in 2000, The Supreme Court said the interest of parents in the care, custody, and control of their children is perhaps the oldest of the fundamental liberty interests recognized by this court. That's why we're here today. We're here to talk about fundamental liberty interests. Samuel Adams said, Among the natural rights of the colonists are these first life, second liberty, third property, together with the right to protect and defend them in the best manner that we can. Individual rights, he says, all stemming from the first law of nature, the duty of self-preservation. That's what we have to get into our culture. That's what we have to convince our legislators is their job to secure the individual rights. And our Declaration of Independence stands as a monument to that fact. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When you continue reading the Declaration of Independence, it says, and that to secure these rights... Governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. See, the only purpose that our states exist, the only purpose for any government to exist ever, is to secure the right of the individual. And essential to the securing of the right of that individual is the securing of the individual's right to conscience. Another Supreme Court case, Washington v. Glucksburg, these special liberty interests include the right to marry, to have children and to direct the education and upbringing of one's children to marital privacy and to bodily integrity. Special liberties, inherent liberties, individual rights of the people whose only purpose of the government is to secure. Remember, if the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the individual, what you have is a political philosophy that has allowed slavery as an institution of government for centuries. We are not built on the institution of slavery that government can mandate on the individual out of the needs of a few or a many. America is built on the fundamental principles that there is nothing more sacred than the right of the individual now i have to explain to you how we are in a situation where we actually have to make this argument many years ago the courts developed a test a compelling governmental interest test that says that fundamental rights can be limited when the government can give a good enough excuse to the courts to override your liberties So they call it a compelling governmental interest and the idea is that a fundamental right may only be limited in circumstances where the government's interest in a specific matter of public importance outweighs the individual's fundamental right and where the limitation on that fundamental right is as narrow as possible for the achievement of an important governmental goal. So we have to understand that that there is a high burden even established by this compelling governmental interest test. Or at least there ought to be a high burden. The government must have a circumstance of such vital public importance that there is no other way to achieve it. And in achieving it, it has to be facilitated In the most narrow, least intrusive measure possible. When there is no, no alternative to a vaccination that contains harmful chemicals, that contains aborted fetal tissue, that violates your conscience, there is no least restrictive means available, then the only alternative is not forcing a mandate our founders believed that these fundamental principles these inherent inalienable rights were so essential to the integrity of society as a whole they wrote the bill of rights to be a sentinel to be a reminder to us of a no trespass zone for governments Government is not supposed to infringe upon your rights. If they do, then no liberty is secure. John Witherspoon, one of our founders, signer of the Declaration of Independence, former president of Princeton University, said there's not a single instance in history which civil liberty was lost and religious liberty preserved entire. I want you to think about the First Amendment for just a moment. There are five liberties in the First Amendment without looking at a pocket constitution, without Google searching, without asking your neighbor. Name to yourself all five liberties of the First Amendment. I have been traveling and teaching across America for over 10 years now. For seven of those years, I averaged 200 and over 260 classes in over 22 states every single year. I have taught thousands of Americans all across our union. And I can tell you that the studies that I've read match the experience that I've had. Less than 2% of the people in America can name all five liberties in their First Amendment. Now, we're talking about freedom of religion. We're talking about freedom of conscience. We're talking about property rights of parents to their conscience, to the essential liberty of the, of the, of the care and control of their children. But if the government can mandate to you and upon you a vaccination by threat of force, Will you speak out against that government under threat of force? You see, by mandating vaccinations that go contrary to the conscience of the people, you actually put freedom of speech in jeopardy. Freedom of press is in jeopardy. Who's going to to publish and speak out about these things at the threat of government force? The right to peaceably assemble. When the government can throw you into prison for not taking a vaccination, how are you going to gather together as a people under the threat of that kind of government? And what is a petition to redress your grievances if you can't speak, if you can't assemble, if you can't engage in freedom of press without threat, bodily threat? See, that's what Witherspoon wanted us to understand. When one falls they all fall. I wanna close my presentation today with James Madison's essay on property. If there's one thing that you do, maybe as homework for my class, is to go online and read Madison's essay on property. It is so essential to how we understand the application of our constitution, uh, both on the state and federal level, that I think every American ought to be required to learn this document. But Madison in his essay on property explains to us the proper role of government. He says, government is instituted to protect property of every sort, as well as that which lies in the various rights of individuals. This being the end of government, that alone is a just government, which impartially secures to every man whatever is his own. If you have a just government, that is not working to secure the individual right, that's putting the needs of the few or the many over the individual. You do not have a just government. You actually have a socialist government. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that you've enjoyed this presentation. If you found it disturbing, maybe you didn't enjoy it, but you learned a lot from it. My goal is to educate, equip, and inspire. So come and join us and learn every single day. Thank you for allowing me to come and speak to you. I'm Chris Ann Hall, and you can find me at chrisannhall.com. God bless. Godgunsliberty.com is our uh, t-shirt shop. Remember, if you can't, if if you don't have the time, or maybe you, you don't, you're not the kind of person that can stand up and say what chris ann jc and says why don't you wear it let your clothes do the talking. let your clothes do the talking and then it's a mutually beneficial relationship you're out being an activist you're an activist billboard everywhere you go but you don't and then you're also supporting what we do as well so let us let us help you be an activist billboard